Sorry? You don't get nervous, do you? I get really oh, okay, let's pray for you then. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity um, for Mike to share your word. I pray that he's able to impart what you've showed him um, clearly um, with, with um, fervor, with wisdom. And I just pray that what he says, God, um, will not return void, Lord. And I just pray that our hearts will be fertile. Um, you take away any um, anxieties or worries or nervousness or anything that's not from you. Give him a sound mind, Lord, to preach your word, Lord. And I just pray you'll anoint him and you'll bless him and you'll bless us today as we receive. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Mike. Amen. Thanks, Delaney. That was, that was great. 2022, huh, guys? Wow. <laughs> so, hello, church. Hi, how's everyone going? Hello, Zoom church. How are you? Yep, I can see everyone on the wall. Um, 2022. What an interesting one, huh? Uh, <laughs> um, at, at the start of the uh, on New Year's Day, uh, we, we had a wedding to go to, Maggie and I. And I remember sitting next to, um, to one of Maggie's colleagues, and I was just saying to him, you know, I, I hesitate to say that 2022 will be a better year because I remember this time last year, I said the same thing, and then 2021 happened, right? Um, and he agreed. Um, and so we didn't say anything, and, and, then, and then everyone at the wedding got COVID. So <laughs> but we're, we're, doing, we're, doing a lot better. we're doing a lot better now. We've, um, we've come out of isolation. And actually, I want to uh, make a special mention to um, the church community. Thank you for all your messages of support. Thank you for all the deliveries of food. Um, we've got this fgm.org.au slash COVID care. And I just encourage, I encourage those who, who can, uh, who do have the extra resource to, to participate those who, who need that care um, also sign up. Uh, it's great to be connected with such a loving, caring community. So thank you, FGA. Um, it's been about a year since the last time I spoke, and I don't know if you guys remember, but um, I spoke about making godly decisions. <clears throat> and then I invited Millie up here. Do you guys remember? I invited Millie up here. And I asked her if she loves me, and she said no. <laughs> and that's why she's not here today. She's at home at Zoom, uh, watching, watching on Zoom. Hi, Millie. I told her I'd say hi. Hi, Millie. What's that? You love me? Oh, good. Okay, cool. Good. Um, so, so um, as Maggie mentioned, actually, we've, we've spent the last couple of weeks um, at home uh, potty training. And uh, for those of you who have uh, grown up children who've kind of uh, wiped that memory from... Uh, from your memory banks, or for those uh, people who are about to have kids, um, it's basically a couple of weeks where you follow your toddler around with a mop. But yeah, she's, she's doing really well now. She's, uh, she's adjusted and, and we're ready to go back to childcare. So everything, it, it can only go up from here, 2022, right? So we're starting this, uh, we've started this series um, called Love Wisdom. And I... Uh, when, when Chris asked me to, to speak um, in this series, I said, well, what do you want me to speak on? And he goes, oh, I want you to speak on why wisdom. So my message is called why wisdom. And at first I thought, okay, why wisdom? That sounds fine. And then I started to think about it and I was like, why wisdom? That's actually a pretty 
tough topic, right? Like, it's almost like, why not wisdom? Why wisdom? It's like, why breathe, right? Uh, why sleep? Um, so I, I spent a bit of time praying about it, um, and there's, there's some stuff that's happening in my life as well where, where um, you know, God was speaking into it. And, and so I, I, came, I came to this, um, this message outline where I, I wanted to walk you guys through uh, a framework for the way that I think about, about wisdom. And so we'll start by defining wisdom today. Um, I'm going to make a couple of distinctions and nuances and then we're going to land on why wisdom. So I just thought I'd give you, just, just in case, you know, half an hour through the message, you're like, why is this, what, what's he talking about? I'm going to land on why wisdom. Um, yeah, so maybe we should start by praying. Yes, pray. <laughs> Father God, I just want to commit this message into your hands. Father, I, I pray that, you know, e- even though you've been speaking to me about it, I pray that, you know, there's a, there's a reason for it. Um, and even if I don't know what that reason is, um, I pray that you're going to do a wonderful work through it. So I pray that your spirit be with us um, and that you really work in the hearts of everyone who's listening today. Um, and, and may this just be a blessed time in your name. Amen. <coughs> okay, so... What is wisdom? That's what I'm going to start with. When someone asks me, what is wisdom? Um, or what is anything, really? I, I, always ask, I always start by asking the question, well, who's asking? What's the subject matter? You know? What is the specific context in which you're asking what is wisdom? For example, here's some wisdom. Don't we on the floor, we in the potty, right? This is wise for toddlers who are toilet training for the purpose of learning how to manage their own bladders. And I promise this is the last time I'm going to talk about potty training today. Um, And so I wanted to kind of unpack this idea of what is wisdom. Um, Pastor Benny Ho uh, last week... He talked about the application of knowledge. So we're going to start with something simple. This is just as an example. Spend less than your income. That's wisdom. Right? Um, And he pointed out to us that wisdom is the application of knowledge. (coughs) In this particular instance, the knowledge is that your wealth or your balance of wealth will get depleted if more goes out than comes in. And the application is, if you don't spend more than you make, then your, uh, your accumulation of wealth will, will increase. So one of the things that uh, Pastor Benny mentioned last week was that you can't have one without the other, right? You can't have, um, you can't have good application and no knowledge. And likewise, you can't have uh, good knowledge and, and, and poor application. Uh, wh- one of the examples um, in, in my life is uh, my honeymoon. So Maggie and I, we went to Disney World for our honeymoon. And in, in the um, planning for our honeymoon, and we went to the US for three weeks, she wanted to go to Disney World, it was one of her dreams. And she said, oh, I want to go to Disney World. Let's go there for 10 days. And I remember saying to her, 10 days? What on earth are we going to do in Disney World for 10 days? I said, I've got a better idea. How about four? 
right? Um, anyway, so we, we compromised and, and we ended up going for seven days. And uh, we were in the US for, for three weeks and those seven days were probably the best part of, of the honeymoon. In fact, um, Disney World, in, in all my travels, um, has been you know, the best vacation spot I've, I've ever been to. Now, the reason I mention it is because um, this, is an, this is an example of uh, good application but poor knowledge, right? So what I hadn't realized at the time was that Disney World really is the happiest place on earth and it's the best and, and most efficient um, vacation spot, right? So you can't have... Um, Good, you can't have application without knowledge, um, and likewise, you can't have knowledge without application. The first nuance I want to make with regards to wisdom is um, general versus specific wisdom. Right? So on top of application and knowledge being required, wisdom requires context. So depending on your specific circumstances and context, what is wise for one person may not be wise for another person person. For example, in a hypothetical situation where someone has infinite amount of uh, money, it makes no difference whether they spend more than they make. So, my slides are mixed up. Um, <clears throat> so, I would add on to that definition by saying that wisdom is the considered application of knowledge. And so building off this idea of um, don't spend more than you make, depending on your situation, the specific wisdom may be different. So as an example, invest in property, positive cash flow only, always be refinancing. This is specific financial wisdom, right? For a certain context, because this doesn't apply to everyone. If you're heavily in debt and you, um, you don't have a job, then that wisdom is going to look very, very different for you. So context matters, um, at least as much as application and knowledge. So I remember back when I was, um, back when I was working a, a full-time job um, as an engineer, um, we did this, me and my colleagues started to play chess um, and I'm a, I'm a terrible chess, I'm, a, I'm an okay chess player. But the terrible part is I take ages to play chess. Because I, what, the thing I like about it is I like to think through all the moves, and there are a lot of moves, so it takes me a long, long time. Um, most people who play chess against me, they, they lose because they get frustrated at how long it takes me to play. And then they leave. Anyway, so we were playing um, chess at work, and there was, this, uh, there was this guy who wanted to join in, and um, one of the things he did was he, um, he Googled best chess openings. I'm sure that's what he did, because he came up with this chess opening that was beautiful and symmetrical, and it was, I'm sure he read into it, and he was like, this is, a, this is the opening move. And it worked the first couple times, but then after that, like there were little chinks in, in the armor of this opening move. And once everyone figured out what that was, he didn't stand a chance anymore. Uh, he got frustrated and he ended up not playing anymore. But this is an example of why context matters. He had the application and the knowledge, but he didn't have the wider context. The context being other people knew what he was doing. Um, 
How about this one? Everyone knows that you need to drink uh, a lot of water, right? So eight liters of water a day. Uh, wait, sorry. Um, eight cups of water a day. <laughs> two, li two liters of water a day. Don't drink eight liters of water a day. Um, but the context matters, right? Because the specific wisdom may be different for different people. For my daughter, she's definitely not going to be drinking eight liters of water a day. Sorry. I'm going to bail on that one, you know? Okay. Water consumption is not a tenet of our faith, okay? So do not take health or medical advice from FGA. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, okay, so considered application of knowledge is wisdom. The last, the last nuance I want to make today is uh, worldly versus godly wisdom, right? So we all know this. There are different types of wisdom, Leaving a spare key with your neighbor is wise. For if you ever get locked out of the house. But that piece of wisdom is not going to make you rich. It's not going to make you financially free. Having the high ground is wise. If you're, you know, uh, from a military standpoint, having a high ground, if you're in a lightsaber duel, it's wise. But it's not going to make you a good parent, Right? Um, as an aside, for those of you who are going to be new parents, check out ABC iView. 130 episodes of Bluey is uh, my best parenting advice to you. So, the goal matters, right? So, wisdom is the considered application of knowledge with the intent of achieving a desired goal. So we're going to have a look at a piece of financial wisdom that Jesus doled out. He said, go, sell to the, to the man who asked, um, what do I have to do? He said, go, sell, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now, clearly, this is uh, to do with financial matters, but the type of wisdom was not financial, right? The goal was different. So those are the distinctions I want to make today, right? So in the world of all the wisdom that you have, you've got different types of wisdom. You've got financial wisdom, parenting wisdom, um, military wisdom. You've got, you've got godly wisdom. And within each of those realms of wisdom, you have general wisdom and you have specific wisdom, right? So today I want to talk about God's specific wisdom. So what does God's specific wisdom look like? You know, if only we had some sort of text that could give us some guidance as to what God's wisdom looks like. Some of you might be like, oh, Mike's gone 15 minutes without reading a huge chunk of um, passage. Well, that time has come. Today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, verses 6 to 16. I'm going to read it out, and then we're going to go through some of the things that Paul is trying to teach us about God's specific wisdom. 
Verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom... Sorry, it's too small. Although it, is not a wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would, have cruci- they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us uh, by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So the context here is um, the new church at Corinth. And they're writing a letter to Paul because there's a lot of division in the church caused by a misunderstanding of theology. Um, they're asking him, um, how do we deal with marriage and divorce and paganism and all these sorts of things? Um, and, and Paul is describing to them the nature of godly wisdom. Thank you, Hubert. And so I want to break it down for you into, into these areas where, where Paul's teaching about godly wisdom and, and what he says about it. So the first thing is he's making a contrast, right? In verse 6 he says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. He's making a contrast here. He's telling us what uh, godly wisdom is not. It is not of man. Um, because the ultimate destination for those who, uh, who adopt worldly, vis- uh, worldly, worldly wisdom is that they are doomed to pass away. You might look good for a while, you'll drive fancy cars, a lot of people might look up to you, but ultimately you're doomed to pass away. So godly wisdom is, verse 6, not of this age, it's not of man. Instead, in verse 7, he says, it is secret and hidden, but for our glory. He's talking about the nature of godly wisdom. It's for our glory. It's not for our entertainment. It's not for our financial freedom. It's not, you know, for family unity. It's for our eternal glory. And sometimes I feel like 
we can lose sight of that. We can lose sight that the desired goal of godly wisdom is our eternal glory. Verse 8 to 9, he says, it's not meant to be understood by man. These are his words. He says, what, uh, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So it's not meant to be understood by man. He says, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard. And I'm paraphrasing here, but what no tongue has tasted or what no finger has touched or nose has smelt, right? It's not of this world. It's not something that we're meant to be able to discern. It's not something we're meant to be able to learn. We can't Google it. We can't say, what is godly, what's the specific godly wisdom for my life? It's not even something that our heart can imagine, right? Now, this is important because sometimes I feel like we can get mixed up. We can kind of convince ourselves that we know what God's wisdom is for our life. But Paul is saying here, it's not something that we can hear. It's not something we can learn. It's not something that we can, with our, with our fleshly um, skills and our knowledge, it's not something that we, we, can, we, can, we can wield. Instead, he says in verse 10 and 11, it's discerned by the Spirit. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Who here can read minds? Just put your hand up, it's okay. No, okay, good. I'm glad. <coughs> I assume you can't read minds. Um, can anyone on Zoom read minds? You know what? If you can read minds, private message me. I've got a couple of questions you might be able to help me out with. But assuming you can't read minds, right? This is, this is what Paul is saying. He uses this actual comparison. He says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? Right? Like, we can't read other people's minds, even though, they, and, that, and, and, and the only way you can know what they're thinking is if you are them. In a similar fashion, he's saying only the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. <coughs> so, godly wisdom is discerned by the Spirit of God who knows all contexts. He knows all applications, and he has all the knowledge, right? Um, and in verse 14, he says, it's considered folly by, by the world. And, and this is the one that's toughest for me, um, <clears throat> because for those of you who know me well, I hate looking like a fool. <laughs> and I feel like that's a fleshly thing. I feel like that's not isolated to me, right? Like, I like to protect myself by, um, by 
knowing a lot of things, um, by being able to be quite capable. Um, but here, here Paul is saying that, that we, when you compare world, if you have someone who adopts worldly wisdom and he looks at godly wisdom, he will say that you look foolish. Now, that's not to say that you should just do foolish things. That's not, that's not godly wisdom. He's saying that if you, were to, um, if you were to have a different goal from God, if your desired goal was, say, um, to have a lot of influence, to, you know, to, uh, to be on top of, of your game, to be a CEO, whatever it is, right? If that's your goal, then in comparison, when you look at someone who's following godly wisdom, you're going to look at them and you're going to say, that's foolish, right? So godly wisdom is considered folly by the world. What does that look like? Okay, so we've got Joshua, who, um, who when, he, uh, when he goes to Jericho, what does he do? He spends seven days marching around the walls of Jericho. Now, I'm not a military mastermind, but I, 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 I would say that in the history of, of the military, that's never been a tactic that has been replicated, marching around the walls of a city um, for seven days. When Paul and Silas were uh, in jail, um, and Paul, by the way, had a get out of jail, uh, get out of jail free card, uh, in that he was a Roman citizen. Um, what did they decide to do there? The Spirit was saying, uh, sing, sing praises. Um, I, I don't think that that has been a legitimate, um, a worldly, there was no worldly wisdom there that said that, you know, this is what you should do when you are imprisoned. So w- what I like about the, the testimonies that, that the worship team were, were sharing with us um, earlier is that you look at those things and, and, and you can see that, that godly wisdom, you can see that that contrast of godly wisdom playing out there, right? Um, that the wisdom that, that God was giving wasn't of man, right? It wasn't of this age. It wasn't something that they could learn. It wasn't something that they could, you know, um, figure out. It was secret and hidden. Um, and the goal was... The why, of, the why of wisdom, the goal that God has is he's less concerned about where we land. He's, he's, I say less concerned because it is a concern of his. He's less concerned about where you land and he's more concerned with who you are becoming, right? I think that's something that we sometimes forget. We, <coughs> we forget that the why of godly wisdom is for us to grow closer to him, for us to reflect his love better, for us to be reliant on him. So coming back to our uh, definition of wisdom, which is the considered application of knowledge with the intent of achieving a desired goal, this is what godly wisdom is. It's the one with perfect context. He understands, he, he knows where everything sits and, and what everyone is thinking. He's, he, he's the one with perfect context. He's the one with perfect knowledge because he made everything. He knows, he knows everything that there is to know. And he's the one with perfect application because he knows exactly, he's got perfect judgment. He knows what we should 
we should do. And he's specifically telling us these things because he's telling us the things that we need to know to grow closer to him for our eternal glory. Um, so I started, uh, I started executive coaching uh, recently. So I, I got an executive coach. She's a Christian as well. And, um, and it's been really helpful. She's kind of revealed to me uh, a few things about myself. She uses this specific model um, that I'm not really that well versed at. But so I, I went through a couple of sessions with her recently and um, I, I was reporting back to my wife. I told her, oh, you know, so this, her name's Candace. And Candace, Candace told me today that I'm, I'm a very logical person, but I'm not very in touch with my emotions. I'm prone to shutting off from the world, um, and, and that's something that I need to work on. And at that point, Maggie was like, you, you, had, to, you had to pay someone to tell you that? <laughs> I could have told you that. I've been telling you that. Um, but, but she dug down another level, right? And she was, she was talking to me about my core fear. And everyone has a core fear. Um, and what I learned about myself through this process is that I am greedy. Uh, not in the traditional sense of, of, of thinking in terms of, you know, I, I, uh, well, it is in the traditional sense. So to, to nuance it a little bit more, I'm greedy in the sense that I'm protective of my time and resource. For instance, one of the reasons why I'm prone to shutting myself off uh, emotionally, apparently, is uh, because I fear that if I was emotionally available to people, that um, my limited emotional tank would get drained quickly. So I protect myself by, by knowing a lot. I seek out knowledge as a, as a buffer. of uh, It's a self-preservation mechanism, apparently. Um, and I've built... Um, I've built or architected a life and career that ensures that I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I can, I can look after myself. I don't need to rely on anyone. Because at my core, um, I'm fearful that I won't have enough. And so that's how I've gone about um, reacting to that core, core fear. And one of the things that has uh, been a recent revelation for me through this process um, is even though people may look at that from a worldly view and say, oh, he's, he's done a lot of wise, wise things to establish himself into a position where he has ample time and resource to, to do whatever he, he wants, really. And, and what this... So I have this fear that uh, I, I, I won't have enough. And, and what God was telling me um, through this process of realizing that I have this core fear of not having enough is that even though the worldly wisdom is for me to fix this problem, the godly wisdom is to say that this is a fear that you're not meant to conquer on your own right? This is a fear in which you are meant to be more reliant on me. You see, sometimes I think, you know, without this perspective of what is godly wisdom, 
we can start to think about all these things. We have this idea as to where we want our life to go. Um, we have... We have a vision for what the application of the correct knowledge looks like in our, in our lives. Do you remember Chris's message not that long ago? He was talking about good, good, bad, good, good, bad, and bad, bad. And he was basically saying, and he reminds us of this all the time, he goes, we're not God. Um, and, and it's interesting because he says that, and when he says it, we're kind of like, of course we're not God. But when we live out our lives, sometimes we live it out like we, we are. And, and, and so this was a reminder to me, right, that godly wisdom, you may look at it and you go, hey, um, you know, you've solved your core fear through worldly means. Um, but God's desire is actually to be the one that you, you rely on, right? He's more concerned with who you are becoming. And to the world, it's, 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 meant, to look, it's meant to look foolish, it's meant to look foolish. Um, so I want to ask a question today. What is your core fear? My core fear is that uh, I have a fear of being dependent and not having enough. And I'm actually going to read through some of these other core fears. Um, they sound similar and they're, they're, they're actually distinctly different. And I don't have time to go through it or all the knowledge to be able to tell you more about it, but I can refer you to a pretty good executive coach. So here are some of the core fears, right? The fear of being wrong, bad, evil, or corruptible. The fear of being worthless, useless, or inconsequential. The fear of being inefficient, unmasked, or incompetent. The fear of being lacking, flawed, or inadequate. The fear of being incomplete, inferior, or confined. The fear of being humiliated, controlled, or powerless. This is a list of the core fears that, that humans have. So like I was saying, um, we can solve for these problems in the worldly sense. Uh, we can Google um, the solution. We can figure out if, so for me, um, someone who doesn't want to be dependent or uh, someone who fears not having enough, like we can solve that problem through worldly means. But what I wanted to tell you today is that um, that is, it's not an issue of personal development, but it's an issue of personal reliance, right? So God wants to be the one who fills that, that gap. There's a, there's a reason we, we were created this way, right? Our earthly desire is to fill that gap um, of our core fear with, with knowledge and understanding, to be able to architect our lives or you know, employ tactics um, to overcome those fears. And the, and the ultimate godly wisdom is, you know, with the, in, in sight of um, our own eternal glory, which is, you know, to be by his side, which we can only do through a relationship with him. Uh, yeah, his ultimate goal is um, for us not to develop ourselves so that we become, you know, the best that we can be and overcome these core fears. Because I, I feel like if, if we try and work around them, if we try and employ these, these hacks, we end up, you know, burying these core fears and they end up manifesting in other areas of our, of our lives. These core fears aren't for us to conquer. They're for us to surrender and for us to learn to rely on God. 
So this year we're looking at love wisdom. Uh, no, this year we're looking at wisdom. This series is called Love Wisdom. And what I don't want for us as a congregation is I don't want for us to, to kind of adopt this definition of wisdom where we're like, oh, it's just a collection of cool things to know or things that we can do or things that can make us better, right? We can go through the entire year and just and kind of go, um, let, let's, let's pick the things that will work well for our lives uh, and then just you know, add to our tool belt and then become a better, a better person. Um, I think that would be missing the point because God's ultimate goal is for us to be more reliant on him. His ultimate goal is he wants our eternal glory because God's wisdom isn't meant to be understood through um, our worldly lens. Uh, it's meant to come from uh, his spirit. It's meant, to some, it's meant to be something where we're discerning from his spirit uh, what it is that he wants us to do. And we're meant to get comfortable with the fact that, hey, sometimes it's going to look foolish. And the thing that's meant to get us through that is us realizing that he has a, uh, that it's secret and hidden, but for our glory. It's meant to transform us. It's meant to make us into people who, um, who chase after him, who are more reliant on him to bridge those gaps that we're not meant to be able to bridge. And so today, as I close, I actually want to pray for us so that we can adopt the right posture going to this year where we're going to explore wisdom more. Um, and I don't know if, I, if that message that I sent got through to the worship team, uh, but we'll see in a second. <coughs> so I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to pray for our, our year now as we, as we search out God's, God's wisdom in our lives. Father God, I just want to thank you that you make yourself available to us. I want to thank you that um, your spirit is with us. And I pray that we're able to just really humble ourselves this year and just realize that we're not you and we, we don't know what you know. Um, and it's so easy for us to, to, in our own strength, in our own strength to be able to try and figure out um, life. Um, and, and today I just, want to, I just want to come before you humbly and say, we don't know. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have all the context. We don't, know, we don't have perfect judgment like you do. And we just really want to seek after that wisdom, the wisdom that is secret and hidden, but ultimately for our glory. We want to surrender the desires of this world. We want to say, hey, we, we, we want to be able to say, God, what you say is important is important. And the things that we think are important, they're not important. And so, Father, as we seek out wisdom this year, we pray that you provide us with fresh revelation, that you show us, you show us more of who you are um, and, and that your, your spirit really em, empower us to empowers and, and, and reveal to us um, the aspects of, 
of our lives where we just need to be more reliant on you, on your strength. And we want to surrender this idea that we're meant to look good for the world. That, you know, we've got this perfect picture of, of where we're meant to end up being. And we want to say, God, you have that perfect picture. Um, and, and the world may look at, us, look at us and say it's foolish, but we don't care anymore. And so, Father, we just want to surrender those, those desires and that picture of, of what world we, worldly wisdom is going to look like in our lives. We want to surrender that to you today. And so, Father, we just want to commit you know, this entire year of seeking wisdom into your hands. Um, and we pray that your will be done in all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.